Thanks, guys. Friends, I want to ask you to grab a Bible with me and open to the book of Psalms, chapter 91. Psalm 91 is the text that we're going to explore together over the next number of minutes. And as you turn there, we ask a question. The question is, where do you go? Where do you go when you are supposed to be locked in your house in the midst of a pandemic? Where do you go? That's the driving question of this morning's message. We're currently, as you know, in very unique times, sort of once-in-a-lifetime types of reality. Uh, the COVID-19 virus is sweeping the world. Uh, more locally, as it relates to your experience, schools are canceled, colleges are in an indefinite break, uh, businesses are starting to shut down, restaurants have closed, and the financial markets are in sharp decline. It's not surprising that the collective temperature of our culture is one of anxiety, uncertainty, fear, lack of self-control. And with your children at home from school and with seniors strongly recommended to stay home, with businesses closing and communities all around the country now starting to implement what is being called shelter in place, it's no wonder that people feel this way. And the question remains, where do you go? Where do you go in the midst of such times as these? Where do you go when anxiety takes hold or a lack of control becomes overwhelming or uncertainty is the emotion of the day? Where do you go to find relief, to find comfort, to find confidence? Where are you supposed to go when you are supposed to be locked in your house in the midst of a pandemic? And the answer is found in Psalm 91. And so I want to ask you to turn there with me. Psalm 91 is perhaps one of the most perfect psalms for this season. We don't know who wrote it, but the situation that the author is in is sounding very familiar to what many of us are feeling. And so this is what he says as we read it together. Starting in verse 1, he says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil should be allowed to befall you, no plague Come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder and the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. 
Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He calls to me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We might divide the psalm into four questions. Where do you go? What happens when you get there? Who will lead us there? And how do we get there? The first question is, where do you go in the midst of crisis and uncertainty? And in verse 1 and 2 of the psalm, we see the answer. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. God is the place where you go. Now, most often we think of God as a person, or as a spirit, uh, or as a being, and all of those things are correct. But here the psalmist expresses God is like a place, or at the very least, nearness to him is a place. It says in verse 1 that he who dwells in the shelter, that word shelter has the connotation of a secret hiding place where something is hidden to be kept safe. I wonder if you have a secret hiding place in your house for some of your valuables. Or if your kids have secret hiding places for some of their most prized possessions. The psalmist says God is that secret hiding place for us. And when you think about the need for safety, perhaps one of the greatest examples of that need in the last couple of centuries is for those who've been, those who escaped from slavery in the 1800s as part of the Underground Railroad. In Hanoverton, Ohio, the Spread Eagle Tavern was a part of the Underground Railroad. And still today, you can go there and you can have dinner and you can stay, but you can see the secret hiding place where slaves would hide in an escape from those who were pursuing them. And they would go under a tunnel across the street or under the street to the doctor's office on the other side where there was another secret hiding place before they entered the canal system. If people are capable of keeping others safe in a secret hiding place, then how much more is God able to keep you safe in him? The psalmist writes that God has a shadow in which you can abide. To abide in something means to stay there for a long period of time. Abiding in the shadow of God is the best type of shelter in place. I wonder if you remember when your child first discovered his or her own shadow. Perhaps you could picture it with me you were in the front yard or maybe at the park and you were playing outside and they discovered their own shadow and they were confused and maybe even afraid. And then they discovered your shadow, which was significantly bigger than their shadow. And the games began. They wanted to stay in your shadow. It was larger than them, much, much larger than them. 
And if you could only articulate or you could hear them articulate that sense of magnitude and perceived invincibility as you standing next to them in their two and a half foot tall toddler frame and how they looked up to you and how huge you were to them. And then they tried to stay in your shadow. And as you moved around the yard, they kept staying in your shadow to the point where they would continue to bump up against you again and again. All they wanted to do was to be near. Abiding in the shadow of God, abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, keeps us bumping up against him. We're ever near when we do that. I wonder if you've ever thought about how God's shadow must be, how big of a shadow it is. The whole nature of God engulfing a person, his goodness and his truth and his power and his holiness and his justice and his love and his wisdom covering the soul of a person. The shadow is perfect. And it is the place to go for safety. And so the psalmist writes further in verse 2, he says that God's a refuge, he's a safe place, he's a fortress. And when it seems like there's an attack on your life, the fortress is the place that you retreat to and you will be safe. God is that place. He is the safest place in the midst of attack. And so the first question we ask of the psalm is where do we go? In my time of need, we go to God. And the second question is, well, what happens there when you go there? And the answer is protection. And I love the way that verses 3 through 6 of the psalm sort of articulate that God will protect those who are near to him from nearly every single kind of threat. Look at it with me. In verse 3, he says, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. Verses 5 and 6, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. The images are vivid, aren't they? When you think about all of the things in life that can threaten us, being in the shelter of God provides protection. Both individual protection and as it indicates down further, even miraculous protection as he sends his angels to our aid. And so let's think about the individual protection just for a moment and those descriptions. The snare of the fowler in verse 3, certainly alluding to the fact that Satan sets traps before us. But he cannot reach into the fortress of God. How about the arrows that fly by day or the terrors of the night? The arrows that fly by day are those attacks from enemies that we can see and that we even know are coming. The terrors of the night are the things that are uncertain and unclear. And then it says he will deliver you from deadly pestilence. Pestilence isn't a word that we use today all that often. Pestilence means plague. <laughs> it means disease. It means epidemic. You might even call the coronavirus a type of pestilence. 
And so we pause for a minute and consider our situation. It's truly amazing, isn't it, that such a small and invisible thing like a virus can wreak such havoc so quickly? The arrows are of the enemy, are some, that's something we can see. <laughs> and even the terrors of the night are things that we can at least recognize or perceive because of our repeated human experience. But pandemic and pestilence brings us to a whole new sense of helplessness. We can't see it. It typically isn't spread through ill intent. You might not even know you've contracted it. And you could try your best to avoid it, but still be taken by it. And so the country begins to lock down. And the businesses begin closing doors. And people are encouraged to stay home. And we begin to think to ourselves, well, how am I going to keep my elderly parents safe? My kids safe? Myself safe? And the result becomes this growing anxiety. Many of us might feel it even right now. You know, that light pressure in your chest. The fact that your mind is always racing through the possibilities. The feeling of being on edge or having a shorter fuse and having some restless nights. We are not in control right now. And we feel it more than ever. But here's the thing. You've never truly been in control. And sometimes it takes dramatic events to see that truth. You might feel like you've been in control, like you are working out things according to your plan, your family, your job, your finances, even your spiritual life. But we are not in control. And the overwhelming sense of a loss of control right now drives us toward the God who is in control. The overwhelming sense that we can't adequately protect ourselves drives us to the God who does protect us. The overwhelming sense that everything that we have been depending upon is no longer sufficient drives us to the God who is completely sufficient. When you are seeking safety from the pestilence, shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. When you are seeking safety, shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, a lot of people ask the question, what is God doing right now through all of this? How is God working in the world in the midst of this? And that's always a really, really difficult question to answer in real time. And it can be a dangerous question to answer in real time, can't it? Because it prompts a number of people to say things that are just guesses or not true. God is doing something right now. He's doing a number of things right now simultaneously through a global pan pandemic. We could speculate on some of those arenas. But there is one thing that we know for sure. God is using this pandemic to peel back the illusion of our control and drive us to depend upon him because he is in control. 
And that's one of the beautiful descriptions of this psalm. Physical, spiritual, the visible, the invisible, the harm from ill intent from others, or harm that comes from no particular intent of others at all. When you are seeking safety, shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, there's a difficult question that we have to ask of this text. Because, of course, this appears that God is making a promise, a blanket promise, that sounds something like this. Dwell with me and nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. <laughs> it sounds like it bumps right up against the line of a health and wealth gospel. But when we take a step back, I think we see a couple of different things that it's helpful to point out. Look at verses 7 through 9 with me. Verses 7 through 9 say this, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. We can see three things. That the writer observes, number one, that he observes that the facts of life in some ways are still happening. Right in line with Ecclesiastes chapter 9, that the wicked die in their ways and that God judges the wicked. But while that's happening, even at the very same time, we ourselves could be ill or suffering or at the very least moving toward the day of our death because of old age. And we know that death happens because of sin. And so while the good person watches the evil one die, the good person is still moving toward death himself or herself. And so where do you go? We may die at any moment. <laughs> and this points us to the reality that there is but one place to turn for safety. Secondly, we see that when you look at a psalm like this, you consider not just what the psalmist is saying, but also what he is trying to do. He is expressing his experience of safety in the Most High, and what he is trying to do is to prompt you toward that type of safety and trust in God as well. And thirdly, we observe that when you look at the psalm in light of the whole scriptures and what the scriptures indicate to us, that even in the midst of the difficulties of common human suffering, the safest place for us is still with God. There's a near safety that happens in our present time with God, and there is a far safety, a distant safety, safety of our souls in eternity with God. And that points us to the third question, really. The first question is, is, where do we go to God? The second question is, what happens when we get there? Protection. The third question is, is well, who is going to lead us there? And that's where we see the answer is Jesus. The Son of God will be the one to lead us to safety. Let me remind you of just a couple of scriptures in the New Testament. Jesus says in John 14, 6, that no one comes to the Father except through me. Or Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and on, speaking of Jesus, it says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And listen to this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our help in our time of need. Or how about Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25? Speaking of Jesus again, it says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so, friends, as you think about drawing near to God in your time of need, in your lack of control, in your growing anxiety, recognize that if all of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus, then the promise for safety is fulfilled in Jesus as well. The Son of God leads the people of God to the place of God. He purchased our safety with his blood. He guarantees our eternal future, and he uniquely blesses our present reality. And so even as each and every one of us moves toward the day of our death, some of us very soon, others of us decades away, you are secure because Jesus is the one who takes you to the shadow of the Almighty. And that leads to the last question. How do we get there? Verses 14 through 16 give us the answer. And the psalm closes this way. Look at it with me. Up to this point, the psalmist has been writing from his perspective, describing God and describing the situation of others. But now the perspective changes. Now this is the voice of God speaking about people that he's saving. And he says in verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Where do you go when you are confined to your home in the midst of a pandemic? You shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. How do you get there? You hold fast to him, verse 14, and you call out to him, verse 15. How do you get there? You pray. That's how you shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. And when you're seeking safety from pestilence, shelter in that shadow, the shadow of the Almighty. Clinging to God is an attitude in some ways. It's a state of mind. It's an active dependence upon him that is most frequently articulated in prayer. When you are tempted, again, to worry about your health, you don't hoard hand sanitizer. You cling to God. When your anxiety rises because of your financial uncertainty, the first thing you do is not to go recheck the balance in your portfolio. You call out to God. And even when you lose your job because your, because your employer has been forced to close the doors, you begin to recognize that your safety was never found in that job anyway. And so you hold fast 
to God. And you pray. <laughs> and you pray. And you cling to him. And you call out to him. And you shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. History teaches us a lot about Christians and pandemics. In the year 165, during the reign of Marcus Aurelius, the Roman Empire suffered a plague that killed eventually between one quarter and one third of the entire Roman Empire. An estimated 10 to 20 million people. Historians believe that it was an early occurrence of smallpox or possibly the measles. And historians and sociologists looked at the unique place of Christians in the midst of the empire during the plague. And even though they were very, very small in number, and even though there was great fear of ongoing pestilence and casualties that ranged up into the millions, the Christians had a unique place. Not only did they have a framework by which they were able to process what was happening, a God who was in control over all things, but they also had developed a robust dependence upon him and a love for each other. And this resulted in a substantially higher rate of survival among them. The people of the day thought it was a miracle. God was saving his people. Sociologists and historians think it was because of their framework that allowed them to cope in the midst of difficulty and their faith in him, in despair. I imagine that it was a bit of both. <laughs> they held fast to God, and God protected them. Because when you're seeking safety from pestilence, shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. If you fast forward, 13 to 1400 years in the year 1527 a deadly plague had hit Europe again and it had hit Martin Luther's town of Wittenberg Germany and as he was encouraged again and again to leave the town he decided to stay and he wrote a letter to his friend on whether one should flee from a deadly plague explaining how churches and ministers should approach the situation and you can read many of the great nuggets in that letter from Martin Luther, but one that maybe some of you have read already this week is that Luther says this, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. It sounds an awful lot like holding fast to him and calling out to him. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus, perchance, inflict and pollute others so as to cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. But if my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith 
that it is neither brash nor foolhardy, and it does not tempt God. Friends, we're in a dark day, aren't we? And I think that it's likely the days will get even darker in the week ahead. But take heart. We're going to make it. (laughs) We will be seen through. And the opportunities that God is working out right now that we can't see are certainly very real and very profound. And if at the end of the coronavirus, we make it all through to the other side, and you have experienced nothing more than having God peel back your perception of control in your life and therefore drive you to ongoing dependence upon him, then it was all worth it. And so in the days ahead, shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. I want to ask you to pray just a moment with me. Father in heaven, as we have sung and prayed and heard from your word, you are a mighty fortress. You are a refuge. You are a safe haven. Your shadow encompasses those who draw near to you. And so we ask now that you would help us in our time of need and our anxiety and our lack of control. That you would drive us to pray. That you would change our disposition toward that of one of ongoing dependence. And that you would be glorified in the lives of each and every person and each and every family who call you their own and each and every church. For those who don't know you but want safety from you, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And whoever is listening or watching today, that the offer for salvation in Jesus Christ is before you now. You need just to confess your sins and trust him to forgive you. And he brings you into relationship with God. God, you are a great and mighty king. And we trust you. Amen. Friends, as we continue.